Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host, Matt Fortuna. Uh, it's bowl night as we record on Sunday evening here in Notre Dame, headed to the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. High drama uh, in terms of <laughs> the eternal politics of yes. the bowl season, whether it be Gator or Holiday. Uh, led me down a very dark path of watching a live stream of the Holiday Bowl announcement as they did the sort of recruiting helmet reveal. Did um, they have a live stream? They did have a live stream. So that's like when they pulled out North Carolina, I was like, all right, this is it. Notre Dame's going to the Gator Bowl. Um, wow. And I was yeah. I'm busy texting people there all day trying to get info. And I didn't know they were literally giving out the answers to the test online. No, it was very, very odd. Um, you know, Brett McMurphy is sort of the, the bowl source guy. And yeah. when he's tweeting out that there's a major tug of war happening uh, around Notre Dame, I, I think you can sort of take that as gospel. But <laughs> Notre Dame headed to Jacksonville first time in 20 years. Uh, game is December 30th. Uh, both Notre Dame and South Carolina are 8-4. and four. Uh, Both beat Clemson. It, um, I mean, it's an interesting game. We will talk plenty about it over the course of this month. But one of the reasons that it's interesting, Matt, is that Notre Dame's starting quarterback has decided to leave the team um, before that postseason game. So Drew Pine entering the transfer portal uh, won't be a grad transfer. He's still an undergrad. Um, This happened Friday afternoon. I was a bit floored, not because Drew Pine won't play another year at Notre Dame, but floored because he won't play another game at Notre Dame. Uh, what was your reaction as you were trying to enjoy a normal weekend? Yeah, I was at a wedding Friday as that broke. Um, took a great time to have a, to, to be out of pocket, but the timing was what surprised me. Certainly I did not expect that to drop on a Friday afternoon. Um, you know, with the bowl game still coming on with the fact that, uh, you know, he's a really smart guy by all, by all accounts and, and, you know, had not yet gotten his degree. I think he was on track to graduate this spring. Um, and doing the math there, he's got three years of eligibility, whether he leaves now or whether he leaves, you know, in April or, or May. So, um, was surprised in that regard, not surprised that he ultimately chose to move, move on. I mean, I just thought, um, I don't know if it would ever get better for him at Notre Dame that did this year. And I think a lot of people would argue, it wasn't that great. I, I would argue differently. I think, you know, he made the most out of a not ideal situation as did Notre Dame. I think statistically he, he had one of the better seasons um, you'll see. And he, he won Notre Dame a lot of big games this year. And it, no one really expected that from a guy who was third string as recently as last year. But uh, I'm not terribly surprised he's moving on. Um, the timing, though, was, was something that, that caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, that was I mean, it felt like a Friday news dump. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure that I quite follow the logic of like you have to enter the portal now to find your next landing spot. If if you're good enough to play somewhere else, you're good enough to play somewhere else. And that's going to be true in January as it's going to be true in May. Um, and look, when offense coordinator Tommy Reese told the quarterbacks 
we're taking a grad transfer. I know Marcus Freeman sort of like softened that a little bit on Sunday night during his press call, but like they are taking a grad transfer quarterback or they're taking a transfer quarterback. I should say might not be a grad transfer. Right. Um, Apparently the pine and his camp did not take that the way that Notre Dame maybe thought. Um, I'm assuming that Notre Dame's assumption was that drew pine would hear that be like, okay, um, you told me I can compete for the job in spring, which is my sourcing would say that that's, that's what Reese told him. Um, that they that he would stay and compete it out both for the degree and the fact that he's still the starting quarterback at Notre Dame. It's I think I've I think some people have speculated that Tyler Buckner is all the way healthy, um, that they wanted to make a change. Like I don't see that being the truth at all. Um Drew Pine would have started against South Carolina for Notre Dame yes. if Drew Pine was still on the, the the roster. Um so that's surprising to me. It's like I don't I don't really know how to like process the timing of it. Like it it sucks to me that college football is in a place where something like this can happen and it makes sense. Like that's not healthy. Um, but that's where the sport is right now. There's a lot of unhealthy things about the sport. But the fact that a starting quarterback of a team going to a bowl game thinks it's better to leave to find his next spot is not good. However, Notre Dame had his head coach leave a year ago when they were still in the playoff yeah. contention. So, like, that's a hell of a lot worse. Um, but that's why I say, like, there's a lot of things that are unhealthy about the sport. This is just another one. Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with anything you said. Uh, but the reality situation is college football in 2022. It's it's open season, especially with quarterbacks. We're, you know, how many guys have we um, read about in the last week alone? And technically, the portal only opens for undergraduate transfers tomorrow. And tomorrow is going to be like, I mean, we, I don't know if you're in one of our Slack channels, but it was like, all right, let's be judicious with who we write on here today because it's going to be overload if we just start writing headlines on every single quarterback who pops up in the portal tomorrow because it's going to be a lot. And uh, we have a, we've already seen a lot this past week. We saw Brendan Armstrong at Virginia. Uh, obviously, we saw Drew Pine. We saw Phil Dracovic at, at Boston College. We've seen uh, some pretty big names so far, and it's only going to get more and more. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, this was the first it's normal. So I don't say this in like a, a critical manner, but you know, me and you were just on a zoom with, with um, all of our other media colleagues with Shane Beamer and Marcus Freeman previewing the bowl game. And one of the main questions for both of them was, have you had those talks with your, your guys yet about, are they even going to play in this game? Right. And it's, <laughs> that's something that even like a year ago, I think you wouldn't even think to ask, right. It's like, like Kyle Hamilton, okay, he was hurt, but like, oh, Kyrie, Kyrie Williams is down the bowl game. Like, that's that's surprising. That was a um, surprise. I agree. Now, now it's like Marcus Freeman literally said, I gave Isaiah Foskey and Michael Mayer like, the last few days off practice because I was working younger guys. I wanted them to give some time to clear their heads and think about their futures. Um, that's the reality of the situation. I'm sure the, the Gator Bowl hosts on that teleconference don't really love it, but <laughs> they're like, whoa, what happened here? Anyone other than the, the semifinals <laughs> today? That's the situation you find yourself in, which is one of many reasons the expanded college football playoff will uh, be good for the health of the sport in two years. But it, it's different. Um, I know this sport um, and the people who follow it and, and make up most of it are, are oftentimes slow to adapt. And I think I'm being generous when I say that. Uh, but but I think it's reality of the situation. And, and like 
to anyone who would say like, oh, why are they quitting on their teams or why are they transferring? Why are they not skipping bowl games? I, I go straight back to what you said. And what Kelly did was not unique. It was just the biggest one no. that happened to Notre Dame and, uh, you know, recently. But I mean, I, I wouldn't say he quit because he found another job, but like they could have made the playoff last year if one more result went their way and their head coach would not have been there to see it through. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I not pro clutcher, but I, I just can't, I don't get mad at, at these things. Like I just, they are what they are. Um, in some ways I just, you know, I don't know if it's like my subconscious speaking to me, like with in the NIL world though, like it's, it's everything's open season. Everything's kind mm-hmm. of fair. Um, we've certainly, certainly seen some play, some big time players, not necessarily Notre Dame, but generally speaking, um, jerk around coaching staffs, you know, with, with, with some of their decisions and, and, and some of the, stunts they've pulled in recent years so like you know it's all is fair in this game um feelings get hurt um uh, people get lied to it, it happens it's just the reality of the situation it, it makes the offseason a lot crazier to cover it makes this stretch coming up here a lot crazier to cover because usually it's it's you know not necessarily downtime because there's a recru- high school recruiting but you know there's a little break and everyone comes back in a couple weeks plays their bowl game and we see what they're about for the next season, but you know, the, the entire college football calendar, as we know, it has just been kind of flipped on its head and um, it's definitely created a lot more drama. No, it's, it's like NBA free agency. Like it's, or like the, it, it is the literal transfer window in European football. Like, that's called that's you might refer to as soccer if you're listening to the show. But was, like, there, did, was there a soccer game this week in the yeah, US? I, I yeah, 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 there was. Didn't uh, didn't go that well for the US men's national team. But yeah, it's just everyone's available all the time, or at least in this this compressed window, um, everyone is available. And I think that I think that there will be some shocking departures. Um and we'll sort of see how Notre Dame fits into that. Um, I know people around Notre Dame are kind of attuned to this place's transfer inabilities or reluctancies or or whatever you want to call it. Um, I do think that's going to change, but you know, there's, I think there's a vibe around Notre Dame, at least football is like, you know, you want us to be Ivy league Monday through Friday and like everybody else on Saturday, like that's sorry. It doesn't work that way. Um, You got to pick one or the other, or at least, Lean towards one, like lean it, towards the Saturday benefits. Then I thought it was refreshing to hear Marcus Freeman tonight say, "Like, yeah, we told Drew Pine we're we're in the market for a quarterback transfer." Yeah, uh, that's an obvious statement to people who follow this program on a daily basis. But I don't ever remember the head coach of a program like this in previous years coming out and saying that publicly and sharing. Not that that was. I think we all have a good idea of how the conversation with Drew Pine and Marcus Freeman went, but like to share a portion of that conversation with the public and strongly imply that that's the reason for this transfer, this departure. Um, even that I think is a significant change as far as what you put out there publicly these days. No, I agree. It's uh, it does seem like last week there were a bunch of hard conversations around Notre Dame um, between coaching staff and players about, Hey, there's we don't see a future for you here or your future is on scout team only uh and i think that that you'll see a bunch of guys probably more guys enter the portal from notre dame departing than you've seen in the past and it won't it won't only be graduates who are going to move on with one or two years of eligibility i think you're going to see some undergrad transfers as well um and that's that's a little bit different than i think sort of the vibe around here in the past but like hey look 
what could be more different than your starting quarterback who's an undergrad uh, leaving it with a bowl game to play? It's that's a first time. Um, I did not, man, I, I did not think that a starter, even if Drew Pine is a starter due to injury, would depart Notre Dame in season. Um, you know, it's like sort of spinning it into the bowl game a little bit, talking to Marcus Freeman on Sunday night. He was asked about the quarterbacks, obviously. Said Tyler Buckner, Steve Angeli, and Ron Paulus were all sort of in the running to start. Um, you know, Ron Paulus has been a scout team quarterback for them for a while. Steve Angeli has played seven snaps, and Tyler Buckner hasn't played since the fourth quarter against Marshall. Um, Freeman said that Buckner has practiced the last couple of days. Is my understanding is not taking any contact. If you're not taking any contact, I'm not sure I would describe you as practicing. Um, just in terms of availability and what's to will come there. Um, trying to get to the bottom of how available he is. Um, I realize that some other people have reported that he will play in the bowl game. I am not there yet. Um, based on the conversations I've had with people, I can't get a straight answer on how available he is or is not. So I, I think that my best guess is that probably some more ground needs to co- be covered in terms of his recovery. Some more uh, medical checks need to be made in terms of his availability. And then they'll go from there. But um, if you said Steve Angeli was Notre Dame's starting quarterback against South Carolina on December 30th, that would that would not surprise me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that was another one that surprised me as far as Marcus Freeman kind of casually saying Tyler Buckner practice and he got asked the follow-up question, like, is he healthy? He's like, yeah, he's practicing. He's good to go. Now, he didn't say he's 100%, but... That was the implication, even if yep. you know your reporting seems to indicate otherwise. So I'll be curious with that one. I mean, it's a little bit more of a delicate situation because again, we're talking about a guy who's dealt with you know a season long injury and a lot of other not major, but but you know bigger than minor injuries through his time at Notre Dame so far. This is a tricky balance for me. And again, we you know only he can speak to his own health. But if you're Notre Dame and, and you think he's you know ninety percent, ninety five percent. Is it worth getting him that game action in preparation for potentially being QB1 next year? Or is that one of those things you do not even want to um, broach? You, you know, you just kind of want to rip the Band-Aid off, get through this season much, much as you can. You know, treat the Gator Bowl for what it is. Hopefully get a win with whomever's starting and, and, and go from there. I don't know if you have information or, or indication one way or another which way they're leaning. But I think as far as personnel, like, Forget whether May or Foskey play, which I doubt they will. Um, and that's uh, admittedly speculation on my part. But um, that to me is the biggest question from a football standpoint is what's the status of Tyler Buckner? And, and do we get to see one last hurrah from him in 2022? Yeah, that's it just it's a big um, I guess I shouldn't say it's a big risk. But when I talked to uh, a renowned orthopod in September about the injury, um, you know, grade five, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, you don't see it a lot in football. Uh, it's more of like a serious accident. Um, that, uh, there, the sort of view at a distance was the question was, would he take contact in spring, which is a hell of a lot different than playing in a bowl game. So, his recovery could have been totally different. Um, his rehab could have been phenomenal. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, we're sort of like left to take Marcus Freeman as word on that. 
I know he has been at practice wearing a red jersey, which, which all the quarterbacks do, uh, for the better part of a month based on going to interviews and seeing him leave the field. So maybe that's a positive. Um, but I think to trot him out there in the bowl game would be a little surprising to me. But, I mean, look, I didn't think Blake Fisher had a shot to play in the sure. game last year. And then he started played great, played the entire game. That's like kind of blew me away. So we've seen guys make miraculous recoveries before. I mean, I think when Jared Patterson's injury hit, I was told like that might be the end of September or in October. Nope. He was there in week two. Logan Diggs, same thing. He, he looked like he might have played week one. I mean, he was out yeah, there pregame right. running. Lo- Logan Diggs was, uh, you know, maybe we'll get him back into the season, you know, month two. Nope. He was ready to go in game one. I was shocked by that too. So it's uh, these are elite athletes and highly functioning uh, people who rehab like their life depends on it because like athletically it does. So we'll see. We'll see on Buckner. Um, I'm there. I believe is going to be some practice availability down there in Jacksonville um, after talking to Notre Dame about it on Sunday night. I don't know how much or when or what we're going to see, but one would assume that you would be able to see whether RK Buckner can play or Buckner can't. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It would definitely spice up the uh, matchup with Spencer Rattler if you knew you were going to get Tyler Buckner full go in that game because it would it would sort of let you see a little bit more of the Notre Dame offense you thought Notre Dame was going to have this whole year. Um, you know, we we forget. I mean, Buckner was not great in his seven quarters, um, but the offensive line was even worse, and now the offensive line is playing really, really well. Um, I I think Jared Patterson will play in the game. Um, that he wasn't even mentioned as a possibility to opt out. So if you have that offensive line with that run game um, and put Buckner with it, with sort of the receivers coming on a little bit more, that position has been much improved over the course of the last month. I'm intrigued. Like I, I know people are sort of down on minor bowl games, but college football is awesome. And I would like to watch more college football than like a Notre Dame, South Carolina matchup, I think would be a good one. I agree. Um, it almost feels a little bit like I, I don't know if this is like intentional messaging because everything you just shared was based on like behind the scenes reporting. But it felt like anytime Brian Kelly said a guy would be back in a week, he was back in a month. And it feels like anytime <laughs> we think one of these guys is going to be out for the year, he's back at, at a much uh, quicker time frame th- th- than we'd expected. But I, I guess that's a good thing if you're an Notre Dame fan. Um, 
not a this just is a real time example of what we were just talking about with um, players quitting on teams and coaches quitting on teams. Uh, our colleagues Chris Vanini and um, uh, Sam Connor just reporting that Seth Luttrell just got fired at North Texas, who made a bowl game this year and whose bowl game got announced today uh, against Boise State uh, in the Frisco Bowl. Uh, Seth Luttrell also has no athletic director because his athletic director just left for West Virginia. So uh, again. All is fair in this crazy world. I mean, if you're a player in North Texas right now, you have no AD, you have no head coach, uh, you just made a bowl game. Uh, God bless you. I mean, there's, you know, the the human elements of these get lost. Uh, There are a couple of Wisconsin parents last week saying our kids are on their third head coach of the last three months. Like, give us a break here. (laughs) This is not what we signed up for. Uh, So it's definitely different. I did want to bring it back to something we talked about at the bye week. I was able to find the old sheet from our podcast um, pre-BYU. Sorry, yeah, pre-BYU. Uh, we did over-unders um, on season totals for for a number of players and team-specific stats. And I wanted to bring it back to it because we didn't fear that particularly well. <laughs> Were we overly optimistic or not well, optimistic? Well, I had a seven and five record. You had nine and three. They went eight and four. So we yeah. both lost that one. Uh, the over under number we had set for Drew Pine passing yards was 2,500. We both picked over. He's at 2,021. <sighs> and I believe we did this based off a 12 game schedule because we weren't even sure they were going to make a bowl game at that point because they were like, what, three and two, I think? Right. Two and two. Yeah. Two and two. I, did, I did not factor in a couple sub 100 yard performances. Uh, this is the one. You were all over me for setting the Michael Mayer catch is at 75. He's at 67. I really, had, I, I really needed him to play in the bowl game. We, yeah, we both <laughs> we both went over on that one. Here's a fun one. Uh, I had over under turnovers was 12 and a half. Um, I think I went over, you went under. They're at 13. Yeah. I'm going fun. to Vegas tomorrow, by the way. I don't know yeah. if you... You guys are <laughs> curious. I did not mean to bring this up at, before another Vegas trip. Another one I, I was pretty good with at, at setting wide receiver touchdowns. I had, I put the line at eight. We both had under. They're at nine. Oh, that's surprising <laughs> to me. I I thought that would have. I think I felt pretty comfortable that that would have been under. Um, I, I probably felt as good about that as I did anything else here. Uh, and the other one we had was Audrey Gasme a thousand yards from scrimmage. He's at 9.52. We both had under. So we actually got that one right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, because it's a it's a 12-game regular season. The bowl games are are somewhat exhibition-y, which is fine. But um, what uh, I, I was interested, sort of your, your intrigue level for this bowl game for Notre Dame. Um, you've covered a handful of them. I'm trying to... I, I feel like it, it's, it's clearly not at a New Year's Six playoff level, obviously, but in terms of like a minor bowl game, I feel like this one has a little bit more juice, you know, uh, Lou Holtz connections aside, yeah. um, then certainly more than Iowa State, um, you know, probably more than the last Gator Bowl they went to, which like was the first bowl game I covered, which turned into a quarterback matchup of Pat Dillingham versus Philip Rivers uh, did, did not go well for Pat Dillingham and Notre Dame. Um you know, there was the Insight Bowl against Oregon State uh, and the Tyrone Willingham to Charlie Weiss transition. I did not cover the Hawaii Bowl. Um, I'm trying to think of other minor bowl games that I've covered. Sun Bowl. Sun Bowl, that, that was a fun one. And like somewhat predictive, just like 
a year too early of where things were going. There was a champ sports bowl against Florida State. That, that was that's a, the one that was, that was a fun game. Well, that was one that's predictive in my mind because that, that was like I think they're probably both eight and four that year, or give or take. And both those programs were, you know, two of the best of the nineties and had fallen on hard times. And then we're kind of thoroughly mediocre for a while. And it was like, all right, we got two big brand names with underwhelming seasons in a second or third tier bowl. How will this one underwhelm? And the next year, Notre Dame makes it the national championship game. And the year after that, Florida state uh, wins it all. And then 2014, because I remember writing the story, they're both six and oh facing each other on game day under the lights. Um, I'm not saying Notre Dame and South Carolina right now are, are set up to take off the way those two teams did. Although Notre Dame's in 2012 was a little, I don't, I don't know, fluky is the right word, but definitely was more of a flash in the pan than it was, you know, Florida State sustained dominance over three or four years there under Jimbo Fisher. But I, I, I do think, look, I think we're all selfishly holding out hope for San Diego. Um, I think Oregon would have been very intriguing. I don't know yes. if that's a team Notre Dame has ever played before, have they? I not in our lifetimes. Oof, I don't think so. Uh, so that would be fun. Uh, but I think South Carolina is fun too. I mean, Shane Beamer brought it up on the conference call today. Like both teams started one and two, very underwhelming starts of the season. Both teams uh, were playing their best ball down the stretch for the most part. South Carolina. I mean, you watch what Spencer Rattler did to Tennessee. Uh, and one, you're pissed as a Tennessee fan because you really would be in the playoff right now if you played just yep. a little bit of defense that game. And two, like that was a Spencer Rattler. I think everyone thought would like shine from day one as a true freshman under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Like he's he's put something together here. Um, and then they go and upset Clemson in, in a game that you know, candidly, I thought Clemson gave away more than South Carolina won, but. You know, it's a rivalry game. That was a snap in a six or seven game losing streak. Uh, huge, huge step forward for Shane Beamer, a guy who, you know, went six and six and won a bowl game last year. Obviously got a Mayo bath. I don't know how he's going to top that <laughs> if he wins this one. Um, Tax but, returns. Yeah, yeah, Gator, yeah, live Gator. No, we're not going to do live Gators. Um, he's been very, very impressive. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I know him a little bit personally. I followed his career. Obviously, one of the best special team coordinators there is and um you know had a lot of success at oklahoma and georgia as an assistant and, and obviously you know son of a legendary um hall of fame coach and frank beamer but i thought hey he just got an sec head coaching job i think he was still in his 30s at the time with no like offensive defense coordinator experience how's this gonna work mm -hmm. and that's not an easy job now i know they're like in a talent rich part of the country um they're also in the sec and and at their best they're still I mean, they're a top 10 SEC job, but it's definitely toward the, the bottom half, um, closer to the top half. And he's gone six and six, seven and six in his first year there, uh, and, and eight and four so far this year with two huge wins. I mean, if you're South Carolina and you're Shane Beamer, you know, this guy likes, likes the recruiting buzz. He likes the attention. If you can go into 2023 saying we just closed our, our campaign by being Tennessee, Clemson, and Notre Dame, uh, that's pretty special. And I think. I think whoever ends up playing for both teams will be plenty motivated enough. Um, I know there's some irony in that statement, but uh, it's probably the one of the better. I'd have to go back to my Gator Bowl, Gator Bowl yearbook history here. As you laugh, I can't imagine there have been Gator Bowls as intriguing as this one, especially given um, the pedigrees of both programs and, and how young and, and promising both head coaches seem. 
Yeah. For the record, Notre Dame has played Oregon before in 1976 and 1982. They're 1-0-1 against the Ducks. So Before it's Nike existed. It's been a minute. Um, so I, th- I think technically when you said in our lifetimes, your lifetime li- is correct. My <laughs> lifetime is incorrect. Although I'm only one of those two games. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like this this matchup probably feels a little bit more in line with the two LSU bowl games. Um, it's better than the pinstripe bowl against Rutgers. It's better than the camping world bowl against Iowa state. Like there is some juice to the game. I'll be curious to see what the, um, the turnout is from a ticket sales point of view. I think Beamer even mentioned this on the press mm-hmm. call tonight that like the ticket sales had already, already been mm-hmm. very strong. Um, but you know, for the Gator bowl to get a really a, a top 20 ish game. I realize Notre Dame is, I think, just outside of that. But um, it's, I think it will be a good atmosphere. Um, I don't, I don't know sort of how all the bowls fit together in terms of what's on, but like this is, it's a day game, right? Yeah. It's a day game. 3 30 start on the 30th. Um, I would, I would think that this would be well received, certainly more than Wake Forest Rutgers from last year, um, or Kentucky NC State. I got yeah, I'm just going through the Gator Bowls who's, here. Who, but the Rutgers was a replacement team. Who was who is that supposed to be? I don't know. So probably um, um, good. But. Yeah, I'm just sort of uh, the last time the Gator Bowl was a top twenty five game, you have to go all the way back to looks like two thousand six when it was Virginia Tech against Louisville. Um they have had at least one unranked team in the game every year since. You know, they, they've had good brand names. Um, A&M's who they replaced last year. So two okay. years in a row, A&M does not go by. Yeah. It, um, you know, it's the attendance for these games, like they got Nebraska, Georgia in 2014. They got 60,000 for that one. They got Florida, Ohio State in 2012, 61,000. Mississippi State, Michigan, 68,000. Um, there's like 84,000 attendance Gator Bowl in 2010. So it's, uh, I would, I would think that this would be, this would have a good turnout. Um, you know, South Carolina is not, is still sort of a, a program that's kind of on the rise a little bit. They haven't, they haven't allowed a lot of, they have not had a lot of sustained success. Um, Lou Holtz, really? I mean, yeah. Like- well, I, I take it back. Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier. Right? Steve Spurrier. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Spurrier yeah. was really good there. I always get those. Uh, but it's been a minute, right? Like it's a. I think it's a program with a passionate fan base, even when they're losing. So yes, now that they're winning, I think they will turn out. It's like that is a very, very sh- what dual uh, Apple Maps here. But like, I'm assuming the distance from Jacksonville to Columbia, South Carolina, is it's pretty short. Like this, it's it's not a home game but not a road game in a classic sense either for South Carolina. I uh you know who else could 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 go there along with um his former boss Lou Holtz and do the honorary coin toss if he's welcome back in Jacksonville. Who's that? <laughs> Urban Meyer. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. Uh yeah it's a four hour drive from Columbia, South Carolina oh, to wow. Jackson, yeah, Jacksonville, I have Florida. It's that close, but well. um, yeah. So that's that's a pretty easy turnout if you're a uh, a South Carolina fan looking to see college football on December 30th. We had some survey last year on the Athletic. I forget what it was tied to, but one of the questions was like, "Give us who is the best chance of winning a national championship that's never won one before?" And like, you really like Oregon was the obvious answer for everyone. 
um, mm-hmm. cause they haven't, and they've been close to it. Um, I didn't want to say Oregon just cause everyone was saying Oregon. So like I, I said, South Carolina, um, and this was, I think before Shane Beamer had even coached a game there, but my rationale is essentially you're in the sec. So you're always going to have this financial and, and fan support. And if you can do it in Clemson, South Carolina, which is much more remote, um, you know, if you ever get your Dabo Sweeney at South Carolina, I'm sure there's someone who can crack some secret code there to make that a powerhouse because it's pretty well located. It's pretty well financed. It's in the SEC. Like, it doesn't make sense that they've been as bad as they have been historically. Um, South Carolina fans love me for it. Clemson fans told me <laughs> because they're in the state capital, there's just so many state politics that interfere with them ever like uniting and, and being good that Clemson doesn't have to deal with. Um, I, I don't live in South Carolina. I can't speak to that, but they're, they're, they're building something pretty special there right now under Shane Beamer. I'm they're probably not going to a national title because very few teams do these days, but um, I, I didn't realize it was four hours away, which, you know, to your point, I, I not great with geography either. That, that should be a pretty promising trip um, for the Gamecocks. You know, it, I don't know Beamer nearly as well as you do, but I did interview him in the spring because I wanted to do a story on sort of what what do you wish you knew that you didn't um, when you're a first time head coach at a power at the Power Five level when that's your first job. And I talked to a friend of the show Clark Lee. Um, I talked to Tom Allen at IU. Talked to Bob Stoops, uh, and I talked to Shane Beamer as well. Um, and it was it was interesting to sort of, you know to sort of hear Beamer's sort of like you you forget such basic stuff um, when you're the first time when you're a first time head coach at the Power Five level everybody's watching you you know Beamer I think said like in his first practice he forgot a whistle even like it's it um, it's tough I talked to Jeff Halfley at Boston College as well like it um, it's a tough. Um, learning process and I, I hopefully we will have Clark Lee on the show sometime in the next month um both as like to talk about his season his impression in Notre Dame but also like he's played South Carolina the last two years like he gives us a pretty good scouting report but I just found Beamer to be a, a pretty engaging guy um much more of like a modern approach to media and just conducting yourself like high energy um I could see him being somebody that people would want to play for um, I believe South Carolina, they have 24 players on their roster listed as transfers. Um, and I believe 10 of them are sort of two deep contributors, which again, like if I was a transfer and I went to South Carolina, I would think that sitting down with Shane Beamer, he would make a good impression. Um, so I think he's probably one of the coaches in college football that has a, like, a lot of upward mobility to him in terms of like turning South Carolina into maybe more of an eight, nine win consistent program from where they have been. But I think the whole thing with proximity to the game, the season that they've had with the wins over Clemson and uh, Tennessee, like they should be pretty amped for the game, which I I think is going to make for uh, a good show on December 30th. Definitely. What's uh, when you get, you were in Jacksonville actually what for a Navy game, right? In 16. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, that um, that was really the nadir of that season. Um, when you show up to a noon game, the stadium is like a third full. Um, I believe that uh, God, who are the announcers? Like Connor Blackbird and Adam Archuleta. I think I don't even it's know like if CBS it, Sports. CBS Sports Network. Um, 
And it was it was the moment when you knew that season needed to end right then and there. But um, yeah, well, first that's I've only been in Jacksonville twice: the 2002 Gator Bowl and then the 2016 uh, Notre Dame Navy game. But um, I I remember uh, like attendance for the Gator Bowl when Notre Dame played there being very good. Um, people seemed to be into it. Um, let me bowls back. also mattered back then. <laughs> yeah, bowls did matter back then. Um, they had. They drew almost seventy four thousand for that game. Um, so I don't think they'll get quite that high for this one. But um, t- there are not many minor bowls that you can say like, "Oh, that is interesting on a national level." Um, but I think this definitely is one of them. I would completely agree. Um, not entirely familiar with Jacksonville. I fly in out there for ACC spring meetings every year, which is a. Uh, where I fill, or I record our podcast with Mike Bray. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at uh, how close Amelia Island was on my on Marriott.com, and the Ritz I think is out of our price range for um, the athletics travel booking situation. It is, but we could still sneak into the back porch there and uh, record a show with a with the background of the waves in the back there is really yeah can we can we justify like both of us going to this game or what uh what are your thoughts on that we don't have a south carolina writer so why not (laughs) all right all right we should do some on-site podcasting i feel like we could have some surprise guests like i think i think notre dame will be fairly relaxed about the game um south carolina maybe too so like maybe you should come down and yeah we could do a little uh, back porch podcasting and have marcus freeman or tommy reese show up (laughs) i was thinking lou holtz but i'll take those guys (laughs) Yeah, no, it's I think it's, it, there's enough to the game that it's interesting to me. Um, I realize some Notre Dame fans are just like playoff or bust, and I get that because unfortunately that's where the sport's gone. But if you like college football, then you would like to watch this game um, and re- ho- hopefully also read about it and listen to people talking about it. So before we wrap up playoff, they get it right. Any quibbles? Like, do you feel like championship weekend sort of? Begat the correct top four teams. Uh, I think they got it right. I uh, I thought going into the weekend, I know this was a popular sentiment. I thought the f- the top four going into the weekend should stay this top four no matter what. I thought you shouldn't be like quote unquote penalized for playing an extra game. Um, mm-hmm. I've been consistent with this. Like Notre Dame got in as an undefeated regular season team that got the doors blown off them with an extra game against Clemson in 2020. And um, they barely got in, but they got in. And that game obviously hurt them more than it helped them. I, I thought this weekend will do more harm than good to the teams that um, were top four entering. That being said, um, USC, unlike Notre Dame in 2020, was not undefeated. Um, and they got the doors blown off them. Um, I yeah. thought if it was a close, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought it was a close enough game. They should still get the benefit of the doubt over an Ohio State team that, that had the week off and that just got blown out by a playoff team last week. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm good with it. Um, I'm good with TCU staying. I thought they should have been in no matter what as undefeated regular season team. Um, yeah, I, I have very few bones to pick. I, I would say actually, this is irrelevant, but I thought the whole debate coming in of should it be Ohio State and Alabama, I kept thinking, what about Tennessee, which has the same record as Alabama and beat them. Now, I know their best right. players out for the year, but um, I thought they deserved a little bit more love. I, I did get a kick like this. I don't blame him for saying this because he's defending his team. He's not some analyst, but like Nick Saban going on, I think it was ESPN Saturday night and like his response saying like, well, Vegas would make his favorite in all those games. So I think that tells you what you need to know. And like Marty Smith or whoever had the 
Alabama's against the spread record this year, he would show him how wrong Vegas has been about the tie this year. Um, the, the game's got to matter. They just got to matter. Um, and I think he was saving spoke afterward and he, he, he was not bickering about it. I think he, he knew this was a flawed team that needed a lot of miracles to go their way for them to backdoor their way in. But man, whether it's Clemson against South Carolina last week, Tennessee against South Carolina the week before, um, any number of other teams, um, Oregon last week, possibly like there were so many other teams that were so close to being into this thing. If they just didn't screw up and they did, and they didn't seem like that consequential of a screw up at the time, but it ended up being the case. Uh, but yeah, shout out TCU. I mean, we've all fond over Lincoln Riley and USC and his one year turnaround. It's it's Sonny Dyke's first year at TCU too, and not a soul on earth, probably including those in that locker room thought TCU would be in the playoff this year. Um, so credit to them. It's, it's nice to have new blood in there um, this year, courtesy of them. It's nice to see Garrett Riley make it to the playoff. Even <laughs> That's <other> right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I like TCU having made it. I like them in the three spot as well. Uh, I think Max Duggan is like just he's nails. Um, yeah, he's re- really fun to watch. He was not somebody. I mean, you you conduct our Heisman straw poll every week. I don't think I had him on there a single week. Um, until really? Yes, until today, um, where I put him number two behind Caleb Williams. Yeah, you, uh, you and everyone else as I look at this spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, I put Jalen Carter number three for the first time. Um, I'd sort of been like kicking around with Stroud and May and other quarterbacks of the moment. But um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a fun championship weekend. I feel like it had the right significance to the postseason. USC just collapsed, and that should be that should carry weight. Uh, I thought TCU played really well. They lost in overtime against, uh, I think, a team that finished in the top 10. That should carry weight. Um, and then if you watch the SEC championship game and you're an Oregon fan, you probably enjoyed that as well. So it's um, there's it was it was still a fun championship weekend, even if there wasn't a ton of consequence for the postseason. Although I do want to thank Kyle Whittingham and Oregon for beating USC because that ensured that Notre Dame was not playing in the Rely Quest Bowl on January. Kyle 2nd. Whittingham and Oregon. Kyle Whittingham and Oregon. Put some respect on the back yeah. to back twelve, Pac <laughs> twelve champions names. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Whittingham in Utah. Um, I that meant that meant a lot to me personally as somebody who has a family vacation that starts on December thirtieth. That I'm only going to be missing one day of it, opposed to four days of it. That wouldn't have gone over well in the Samson household. So, Kyle Whittingham. You're my coach of the year from Utah. Yeah. He said, what do you say? Ryan day? You're welcome. He should have said, yeah. Samson, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out how, if I, if I can book a flight straight from Jacksonville to uh Puerto Vallarta on December 31st. And it looks like I'm going to be able to do that. So maybe celebrating new year's Eve, literally up in the air or. Uh, no, I, I plan to be on the beach, uh, not long after lunch. So I'm not sure when the playoff games start, but I will Definitely knock out some Pacificos on December 31st at some bar on some beach north of Puerto Vallarta. So there's plenty to look forward to aside from Notre Dame's uh, yeah, game well, against South Carolina. I would say day after Notre Dame's bowl game, you'll be chasing transfer news and coaching news. Nope. That's all you, that's, Matt. That's, that's all you. Me, all right. That's awesome. all you. Um, Garrett, Garrett Riley will probably be North Texas as head coach, by the way, by the time the... <laughs> That bowl game rolls or that semifinal game rolls around for for TCU. Any predictions on playoff games? Uh, I mean, I, Michigan and Georgia, I think, are 
I don't I don't have a path to victory for TCU against Michigan. I think Michigan is just playing too well. Um but I could I could see Ohio State beating Georgia. Like that that would not blow me out of the water if that happened. I agree. Um other than the fact that it's in Atlanta um and it'll be a virtual home game. Yeah. But it's also indoors and like I don't Georgia's awesome. Like they're undefeated and they're number 1 again. They've also lost 15 draft picks. And if you look at that defense statistically, like it doesn't hold a candle to last year's. Like they don't, they don't force turnovers. They don't get after the quarterback. They're just physically better than everyone they play. And Ohio State's at full strength offensively. You know, I hate to like make excuses for teams or give teams mulligans, especially when they perform as poorly as they do on a big stage, like these guys did against Michigan. But I mean, if you ask Georgia, I think, you know, if you gave them a drop of truth serum and said, who do you least want to play? It would probably be Ohio State because talent oh, wise, that roster is very, very good. Um, and I, the I, Styles I, makes fights kind yes, of game to me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, so I'm looking forward to that game. I don't see a path for TCU either, but like I've not seen a path for TCU to win most of these games this year, and they keep right. finding a new way to do it. So who am I to doubt them at this point? Um, I think I mean, look, I, games. yeah, I, I hope so too. Uh, we're due for some good semifinal games. Yes. Um, like I said, like if you're, I have not watched TCU at all this year. So this was my first time really watching Max Duggan and I could not be more impressed with him. Um, yeah, just a, what a personality, just like a force. Um, he's an easy it, guy to didn't sort of even like start the opener, like lost the job. Wild. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. And it's weird. I was listening to, um, the audible with Bruce and Stu on the athletic uh, earlier today and just sort of like talking about quarterback transfers and how it's just, you think, you know what you're getting a lot of these times with these trans, but it's just a complete crap shoot. And like that even is true for the guys on your own roster. Um, I mean, Notre Dame has experienced that as well. So we'll, I, I mean, we'll see what happens on December 30th, whether it's Tyler Buckner or whether it's Steve Angeli. Um, I just I don't know, uh, and I I don't know if Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese know at this point either. So it's uh, there'll be a lot of intrigue around Notre Dame versus South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. I'll be there to cover it. Hopefully, you'll be down there too um, to cover it as well. I mean, why why not come to Jacksonville? Um, I, I, yeah, well, I've got my second Vegas work trip air quotes um, coming up of the season tomorrow. You got plenty uh, of weeks hopefully. between now and then. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, need to figure out time to get my Christmas tree, which Brian Kelly canceled on me last year when we were literally out oh. getting it or about to get it when he left. Uh, we'll, yeah, see. My, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, is is uh, Josephine still bitter about Brian Kelly's departure? Because uh, Sloan and Tate still mention it semi regularly that uh, he ruined our vacation in California. Uh, no, I, I I think she does. She she's been to one game. It was a spring game. Marcus Remo was a coach. It was sunny. There was ice cream. Um, she's ha- she's happy as can be. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, we'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Shamrock. We will be with you throughout the months, getting ready for the Gator Bowl, but also talking some big picture Notre Dame stuff with the transfer portal, picking up, uh, also previewing South Carolina, and yeah, whatever. <laughs> Marcus Freeman all around the world with recruiting and like National Signing Day is just a few weeks away too. So, oh yeah, <laughs> a lot happening uh, in college football. It. Um, I had a couple of days where I thought it was the off season and I realized that I, I was reminded that there's no off season in this damn sport, um, but that's why we love it. So until our next episode, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock. Shamrock.